0: where we take a deeper look into how the issues of today will impact the world of tomorrow. From politics and world news to media and technology, we discuss how today's headlines are becoming tomorrow's reality. Welcome into Insights into Tomorrow, episode 19, The State of Microsoft Games. My name is Sam Whalen. I'll be your host today, and alongside me is my co-host, Mr. Joseph Whalen. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing great, <laughs> Sam. How are you doing? Figured we keep it, you know, not so formal for the show. Wow. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, today's episode is going to be an update to episode 16, if you guys check that out. We talked about uh, Microsoft in that episode, and it's been about a year uh, since that big deal Uh, with Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard. That's all still been going on for a year. Um, So we're going to give you a little bit of an update on that, as well as the the state of Microsoft uh, and where we think their games are going in the future. Um, So just off the top, you know, have you heard anything big about this uh, acquisition or potential acquisition since that uh, episode 16?
1: Well, I know they've ran into some issues with the U.S. regulatory and U.K., right? But I think... I think they got green lights in Europe which I think is kind of ironic that the UK is fighting it but the UK the EU actually kind of gave them the green light on it
0: Yes, when our global when our global nations have to interact with our gaming companies, things can get pretty complicated. Uh, but just a quick recap before we take a break on January the 18th 2022 Microsoft announced they were acquiring Activision Blizzard in an all cash transaction I forgot about that part uh, valued at sixty eight point seven billion dollars or ninety five dollars a share at the time uh, like we said, however, in the year since that uh, there have been lots of changes, lots of roadblocks, and things have definitely not gone as planned for Microsoft. So today we're going to look at some of those recent developments for the games and the state of the deal and the rough release of one game in particular and what the future looks like for Xbox and their games. So uh, before we take our break, just want to remind you, you can uh, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Amazon, Pandora, anywhere you get your podcast, we will be there for you. Contact information, you can email us at comments at com. Twitter, we are insights underscore things. Facebook, you can search us there as well. Instagram, insights into things. And all these links can be found on our websites, insightsintothings.com. Anything else to add? I think that's it. All right, let's get right into it. We'll be right back. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Insights into tomorrow, number 19, talking Microsoft, talking Blizzard, talking Activision. Uh, So, as I gave the recap in the beginning, this deal happened about a year ago, for around $69 billion dollars. However, there was some recent news which caused us to want to record this episode. So after months of deliberating, the United Kingdom's Competition and Markets Authority, uh, the CMA, which is like their version of the FTC, uh, blocked Microsoft's pending acquisition of Activision Blizzard, Primarily citing the potential monopolization of cloud gaming services if the deal went through. Now we're both uh, we're deep in the Microsoft ecosystem. I'd say I play Xbox all the time. You've been a Microsoft fan for a lot of your life, I think. Sure. Do you think cloud gaming when you think Microsoft?
1: Um, actually, no, I don't. Uh, as a matter of fact, recently I had canceled my Game Pass subscription. Oh, really? I hadn't been using it. I just, there wasn't any games, Every all the games that were coming out on Game Pass were n- uninteresting. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything that I liked and I wasn't playing anything on there because I had moved over to predominantly play, you know, when I did console, I, I moved over to the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But most of my gaming's on the PC to begin with anyway, and I wasn't taking advantage of any of the Game Pass stuff on PC anymore. Like I played through uh, Halo Infinite and that was like the really the last big thing that I really did with Xbox and I was playing Call of Duty and a couple of time killers is what I refer to as right. but there wasn't anything that really kept my interest on it, so I couldn't justify the cost.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm partially responsible for your shift to Sony and PlayStation. I've definitely recommend a lot of those games to you. Um uh, but personally I use Game Pass all the time. I think it's a, it's still the best value in gaming if you're for the kind of person that I am when I play games, I like to try all different kinds of things. And I think for the price you're paying you're getting a great variety, as well as you know all those all those things that are already included, and they're updating it regularly. Well, and I
1: don't doubt its value. I just doubt my use for it at the time. Right. And, and I've taken the I've taken the same mentality with streaming video now. Like, if there's something that I want to watch, I'll subscribe to that service. I'll watch whatever it is, and then when it's between seasons, I'll get rid of it. There isn't anything else hmm. that that really interests me. And there hasn't been any games that Microsoft has been coming out that that has been Interesting enough to me to keep it, whereas you know you had me on on PlayStation doing Ragnarok, you had me doing Last Spider-Man. of Us, Spider Man. So I've been kind of embroiled in all those games now. So I didn't, I wasn't touching the Xbox for anything other than than physical games that I own, like Rock Band and stuff mm-hmm. like that.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the lack of games on Xbox, and that's something we're going to hit on a little bit later on the show. Um, But going back to the the citing of cloud gaming as part of the reason why this deal was blocked in the United Kingdom Uh, This is a quote from Martin Coleman who chaired the panel that investigated the deal He said cloud gaming needs a free competitive market to drive innovation and choice That is best achieved by allowing the current competitive dynamics in cloud gaming to continue to do their job Now where this argument comes from is because part of your games pass subscription is something called xCloud Which is Microsoft's version of cloud gaming where you can you know, boot up a- you can stream games to your phone or to your TV without having to download them. And it is very convenient, I don't really use it because I don't have a problem with storage too much. Um, but that's kind of the main thrust of it. Uh, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but the numbers were slightly inflated because they're assuming that everyone that uses Games Pass is also using that xCloud service, and that's just not the case. Uh, this is from the Gameran article we have linked in the show notes here. The CMA claims that if the acquisition goes through, it would only reinforce the Xbox maker's uh, strong position in cloud gaming, and it could potentially hold control of 60 to 70% of the cloud gaming market. And that's sort of where we get those inflated numbers, right? 60 to 70% of the market, obviously, that would be a monopoly, and, you know, sort of a monopoly. I guess 100% would be a monopoly, but. Um, you know that that's a scary number. Having one company control sixty percent, seventy percent of that market, especially since gaming in general is sort of shifting toward that that cloud. Um uh, method of service where you don't necessarily have to download your games; you can just stream them. You know, you have the the Xbox that you have, the one without the disc drive, right. is primarily meant to have that service, so you don't have to download the
1: games because it has a smaller well, storage it's, capacity. It's funny you mention that. I've never actually streamed a game to, <laughs> to my console. All the games I've had, I've downloaded and played on the local machine itself. Mm. If they're talking streaming as their definition of cloud gaming. I don't know how popular that is because there are technological limitations to that. There's only, like, yes, it's great that I can burn somebody else's computer resources and and graphics to generate the stuff and stream it down to me. But when you're playing stuff that's competitive, online gaming, like first-person shooters, there's latency from the time that you push a button on your controller to the time it gets to the server and gets back to you. You can't overcome, I mean that latency is a limitation of the speed of light. You can't overcome that. We have no way to overcome that right now. So unless they're putting data centers in right around the corner from my house that I'm streaming from, it's it's there's a technological problem from running it locally to running it over there. And if that's what they're calling cloud-based gaming, I think you're limited in what you can offer as far as you want to play Words with Friends or, or uh, you know, the puzzle games and stuff like that, I think you're okay. But when you want to get into, you know, the diehard competitive games where people are running cheats to, to mm-hmm. you know, take advantage of that lag time, I don't think that's the right recipe for it. And I think that's a lot of the reason why you know, Google got out of the yeah. streaming gaming too.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely the biggest barrier to entry, right? I mean, not everybody has top-of-the-line internet all around the country, especially when you're getting into less populated areas. In some parts of, of, of in this country alone, you, it's just not going to work, right? Because you've got satellite-based internet or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you're already limiting your market there. Um, now, there are... Latency has always been a problem with multiplayer games, especially like in in like fighting games. And they've kind of found workarounds with it, with like rollback netcode, where you know the game is trying to anticipate and guess what you're going to do before you do it, and that can significantly help with that latency. But when you're looking at a company like Microsoft, whose predominant AAA games are all first person or not first person shooters, but they're all like competitive shooters, like Halo, Gears of War, um, even Sea of Thieves, which is definitely not competitive, but it is still a multiplayer online experience. Latency is going to be a problem in all those games. So is it is cloud gaming the direction you really want to push this in if, if you're relying on that multiplayer ecosystem pretty much at all times?
1: Well, and the other issue that you run into from a technological standpoint is when you're streaming games, you need a lot of bandwidth to stream the games. When you're playing on your local console to a server in the cloud, you're only send, sending telemetry at that point. So it's much less bandwidth requirements in order to handle that kind of data than if you're trying to stream the actual game back and forth. Yeah, you're 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 streaming telemetry to it when you're streaming the game, but all that video is pre-processed, pre-rendered, and basically streamed down to you as if you're watching it at that point mm-hmm. in time on, an, on a TV. So that takes a lot of bandwidth. And you've already got companies like Comcast and Verizon that are capping your bandwidth now because of, of the amount of usage you have. And as you move to a model where your model relies on enhancing the amount of bandwidth you use, you're going to start getting pushback from your ISPs. You're going to start getting data caps. You've already got home internet from T-Mobile and Verizon and AT&T over their cellular networks where you only get that high-speed 5G for a certain, amount of that band, a certain amount of that month. And when you hit a certain cap, it drops it down to slower speeds, and that's going to have an impact on this type of gaming.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting to think about. Like, if this is the push we're gonna we're gonna go for, it seems like we're, you know, Sony has its own version of Game Pass, where they've got a, a ever changing catalog of games coming in that you can you pay a flat fee per month and then you can download these games and play them as they come to the service. Um, it's just like what they have with Games Pass, and I, you know, Ubisoft has one. A lot of these companies they're they're doing that Netflix of gaming approach, combined with the cloud gaming aspect as well. So, you know, if if that's the way the industry is going, what is that going to look like with other companies? Like you talk about the ISPs and things like that. Is it going to, is everybody going to have to change if that's where gaming is going in the future? Because this is still, you know, a multi-million dollar, multi-billion
1: dollar industry that that can throw its weight around if it needs to. Well, and what's going to happen is the same thing that happened with streaming. You're going to have partnerships with the ISPs Mm. where the gaming companies are going to have to pay for premier access. Netflix, for instance. So Netflix actually has licensing arrangements with the various ISPs where Netflix puts essentially a caching proxy server inside their network. So when you request a movie for Netflix, you'll go up to Comcast. Comcast will hit the server that they're hosting. And if the movie's there, it'll stream from there. If it's not, it'll go out to Netflix and get it. But then it caches it inside that network. So everyone else who requests that movie now gets it from the local. You're going to run into them doing the same type of thing where you're going to have to have exclusive partnerships with ISPs, which is going to cost the gaming companies money, and the gaming companies aren't going to absorb it. They're obviously going to pass it down to the customers. So you're going to see an increase in your monthly cost for that when the ISPs start getting fed up with it.
0: Yeah, I mean we're already seeing increases in prices of Games Pass and things like that. I mean it's, I mean Netflix too is notorious for raising their prices. All streaming services. It's just part of the you know, it's part of the. I guess the business practice is how these things go. And especially you talked about how you um you'll cancel your service if you're not using it. Most people don't do that. I'm one of them. They count on the companies count on you not canceling and just letting
1: it lapse every month so they sure. can keep getting that money. Well, um, and they they deliberately make it difficult to yep. cancel. And you, know, you can't say, "Oh, if I don't renew this, it's going to I don't want it to auto renew. You can't stop auto renews on these." Mm-hmm. And when you go to cancel them you got to jump through, you know, four or five flaming hoops to go through to cancel these because they're counting on people not to go through that hassle.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, getting back to the Microsoft Activision deal, though, this blockage in the U.K. is a huge blow for Microsoft, and the acquisition continues to face roadblocks uh, from various international regulators. Uh, the FTC also uh, is suing to block the deal in the U.S., uh, citing concerns over Microsoft's habit of acquiring game studios as part of the Microsoft gaming brand. Um so that the FTC is not necessarily going with the cloud gaming angle, they're more worried about Microsoft buying up all these studios and sort of putting them under the Microsoft umbrella and having too much influence on them. Um, but historically, Microsoft hasn't really done that. They will buy a studio and acquire it, but only so they can have their games on Games Pass. They don't necessarily have direct influence on on the creative side of things, um, which you could see as better or worse, as we'll talk about in our second segment. Um, But, yeah, Microsoft has generally had a hands-off approach to a lot of these studios, uh, aside from asking for that Games Pass Day 1 exclusive. Um, So do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Well, and I think that's probably the most dangerous aspect of this entire thing for Microsoft, because it signals a level of scrutiny that they've not been under before. Because the acquisition of development studios for gaming isn't just restricted to gaming for Microsoft. They've done this across the board for all the properties they're offering. Their antivirus software was acquired. Their voice messaging service was acquired. Their team service was acquired, and it was all acquired and rebranded. So if they're going to get government regulation looking into their acquisition of various development companies for gaming, what would stop it at gaming? You know, when they start acquiring things that become competitive in different aspects... Because Lord knows Microsoft has already had issues with Monopoly, you know, complaints and stuff like that. But this is a practice they do across the board, not just gaming. So if they're getting scrutiny for gaming now, that's going to open up the board for everything against them moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think ultimately what a lot of this comes back to is, is it pro-consumer or anti-consumer? And I think when you even enter the Monopoly word into the conversation, I think immediately it's going to turn a lot of people off. We don't want, you know... Myself included, we don't want one company owning everything, because then it, it stifles creativity, it stifles innovation, and and especially when it comes to gaming, if one, st- one company is buying up all these studios, it can, and if there's, those studios are poorly managed by the overhead company, it can negatively impact the kind of games we're getting, uh, not to mention all the people that work for those studios. Um, we haven't had a similar issue with Sony. You know, Sony acquiring Insomniac, uh, Guerrilla Games, you know, they've been doing the same thing, but their games are very successful, uh, because Sony is much more, um, hands-on with how they're running these studios. They're, they have a very clear vision of what they want a Sony-branded game to be, and Microsoft hasn't really done that, and unfortunately, Sony is kind of winning this, uh, this arms race of studio acquisitions because of their more hands-on approach.
1: Well, and Microsoft traditionally has had that issue across the board on all their properties where the only property that they're really being successful at managing is their Azure system, their, their cloud uh, uh, server providers. Everything else, they don't seem to know what they want to do. Like, it still puzzles a lot of people that Microsoft is even involved in gaming. You know, Microsoft dipped their toe in the hardware the the computer hardware business back with the surface pro series line launch and all that did was really anger all their oems because it's cutting into their business so microsoft seems to have this i want to do everything but i don't necessarily want to do everything good and the the lack of quality seems to show quite frequently in some of their offerings
0: yeah uh So despite the U.K. and U.S. kind of uh, combating the deal, the EU, uh, European Union, has approved the deal uh, despite those countries' uh, hesitations. And again, like I mentioned before, EU officials claim that the estimation of Xbox cloud gaming dominance is being overstated uh, with all Xbox Games Pass users being counted as cloud gaming users, despite that not being the primary purpose of the service. Uh, so if the deal goes through, would Xbox truly hold a monopoly? You know, if they are able to acquire Activision, Blizzard, and King, I you know I don't know. I'd have to rewatch episode sixteen. It was a long time ago. But King is the mobile uh, brand and of, side of that thing, and mobile games make a ton of money. So if you know King makes Candy Crush and all those kind of games, if Microsoft were to hold that, would they have a monopoly in the market? And what does this mean for other gaming companies like Sony and Nintendo? Well,
1: and that's the thing. I don't think it would be a monopoly from the get-go. And I think in a market as volatile as the gaming market is and as fickle as the gaming market is, the market will regulate itself for the most part. Um, If it becomes monopolistic, then you can step in and regulate it and break it up. Uh, You're not going to stop consolidation in the gaming market. You're just not because you've got three platforms really two platforms i don't really count nintendo as a competitive platform at this point i don't know they got that new zelda game making a lot of money and that's probably the last good game they're going to come out with on the switch with the switch yeah seven year old outdated hardware <laughs> yeah but that's what they that's their stick really but you don't have platforms out there that you can release this stuff on so as a result you're going to have consolidation when you remember way back when, when Sega decided that they were getting out of the console business and they had all their exclusives, and they basically, all the sharks that were circling around, Microsoft and Sony and everyone, swooped in to get these exclusives. Well, how many of those exclusives are exclusives that are exclusive money makers now? You know, Sonic the Hedgehog, when was, aside from a really I don't know, questionable choice on movies. Since when has Sonic the Hedgehog been something that's been significant? Sonic Frontiers.
0: That was like last year. Uh, I don't think it's exclusive, though.
1: Is it? I don't know. I I don't. look. I don't think it is. But like, you know, when that happened, everyone thought that you were going to have Monopolies come out of that. And you're not. People are going to buy the game that's quality. And if you don't put out a quality game, it doesn't matter how many game studios you own. If it's not quality they're not going to use it and Microsoft is running has run into this numerous times. You know how many people have moved off of like Microsoft Office because mm-hmm. of how terrible it's become? Yeah. And they don't want to pay for the subscription for for a service that they've never paid. Like just questionable business practices is what turns people off. And Microsoft has has kind of damaged it. He'd been the poster boy of how not to be monopolistic at this point in time based on quality.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to that issue of quality, which is exactly what we're going to cover on our next segment. Uh, after the break, we'll take a look at the launch of Redfall uh, and other Xbox games exclusives and how they impact Xbox's place in the gaming landscape and, of course, that ever-important question of quality right after the break. We'll be right back. <music>
1: Welcome back,
0: everyone, to episode 19 of Insights Into Tomorrow, where we are talking the Microsoft acquisition of Blizzard uh, and Activision and King. Acquisition and Activision are really hard to say in the that same sense. That is a tongue twister. Uh, my name is Sam Whalen, and of course we've got Joseph Whalen on the other side, on the ones and twos. Uh, but we just talked about uh, the deal itself. Now we're going to get more into the issue of quality and what that means for Xbox going forward. Uh, so the big uh, news story in the past couple weeks, if you follow any kind of gaming news, is the release of Redfall. Um, this comes from publisher Bethesda and developer Arcane Studios. You might know Arcane from games like Prey and Dishonored, all great games. Um, Redfall was released on May the 2nd to disastrous critical and audience reviews. Uh, this was kind of a big shock. Well, for a while it was a big shock. Uh, there was some IGN footage that had come out before the game came out uh, that people ragged on the reviewer that was playing it because, they, you know, they were doing... They weren't... It looked like they were bad at games, uh, you know, to c- kind of boil it down. But when the game came out, people realized that that's just the game. The game is not easy to play, and it's really poorly optimized, and... Uh, it's just a—it's a big letdown from a studio like Arcane that is known for their immersive Sims like Prey and Dishonored. Uh, I've played the game myself. I've played Redfall. It's real bad, uh, <laughs> but it did come out to GameSpass, Pass, so I had the opportunity to play it as part of that subscription. Um, have you seen any uh, footage
1: or, or uh, reviews or articles about Redfall? I've seen some gameplay footage of it. I haven't played it myself, obviously, because I don't have my Game right. Pass subscription. Uh, and I've read a couple of reviews, uh, in fact, in preparation for, for the show today, I was doing some research on it. Um, and you're right, the the reviews pretty much across the board are pretty consistent. And when you start getting four or five people that are saying the same exact thing that's wrong with the game, chances are that's probably what's wrong with the game. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not shocked uh, given the hype around this and what the the great hope for this was supposed to be. The last four or five years of games like that have have kind of fallen flat. You had Halo Infinite had the same problems. You had um, uh, Cyberpunk had mm. the same type of problem. Like You have games that the market is demanding that they come out. You have pressures on development houses that are forcing you to release games before they're ready. And I honestly think that part of the problem with this is largely to do with the cloud infrastructure. Because the idea, the philosophy right now is, oh, well, we can kick that out and patch it next oh, week. Yeah. We're fine. We're good. Where before, when you put it out on a disk and you didn't have all the cloud infrastructure in place, it had to work. You didn't have the opportunity to put five patches out. You know, we just saw it happen with the new Star Wars game. That yeah, that's came you know, the the first patch that came out was literally three times the size of the original game, so it doesn't shock me. I think the problem that we have is the market drivers that are forcing these out rely too heavily on the fact that they can be patched, but they neglect to take into effect the negative press that your property is going to get in the process.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, Phil Spencer, who's sort of the public face of Xbox, he's not—I don't think he's a CEO, but he's like—he's like the guy when you think Xbox. Uh, he's been doing the rounds, he's been taking the hits for Redfall, uh, but one of the things he talked about was the this concept of when to delay a game, and he says it's not always purely based on hitting that, that economic goal, it, sometimes it is for creative reasons, and he, a lot of what he talked about was, uh, ultimately what they say is what it comes down to, is if the studio is not meeting their creative goals, Then that's when there's a serious issue. And he, like, not so subtly suggested that that might have been part of the problem with Redfall is that, you know, the folks at Arcane were not necessarily making the game they wanted to make, but, you know, this game was hyped up a lot uh, and it had to come out. And they already delayed it and it didn't really seem to make that much of a difference. Um, You talk about Jedi Survivor had the same thing. That game got delayed. Um, but still, came out with a litany of technical issues, a litany of problems, and a day one patch that was like a hundred gigs. <laughs> so, you know, it's the past like three months have seen multiple releases that are almost fully broken at launch, especially on PC. I mean, you play a lot on PC. Yeah. PC ports are notoriously uh, not as well optimized as the console. Um, but it really starts to raise the question of, yeah, exactly what you said: this, this tarnishing of the brand of. You know, it's almost become standard when a AAA game releases to give it three to four months to have it actually be functional, especially if it's like a multiplayer game. And it's like, at what point did this just become okay? You know, I'm still the guy. I'm I'm definitely part of the problem. I will buy a game day one if I want it. But, yeah, a lot of these games are coming out, and they're just not finished. And when a game will take four to five years to make... Do we give it six to seven years? At that point, is that too long? Is it a, an issue of crunch in in development, where you know developers are getting high pressure to to put these games out, so they're they're slipping up and there's issues there? Uh, is it a marketing problem? Are we showing these games too early? You know, we put out a CGI trailer three years before the game comes out, and you know people every year are asking at you know Summer Games Fest and things like that, where's Redfall? Where's you know where's whatever? That by the time the game comes out, it's not at all what people thought it was gonna be, which is kind of what happened with Redfall. Nobody really knew what it was because uh, it was a lot of cool CGI trailers. You know, you you knew it was a shooter. You knew it was arcane, so you can imagine you're gonna have um some immersive sim elements, probably some supernatural or magic elements. Um, but then the game gets closer to release, and you have these people doing previews, and they describe it as like far cry or like destiny. And everybody's scratching their heads of like, uh, what? I, that's not what Arcane has ever been known for. They're known for single-player immersive experiences, and Redfall comes out, and it's like a it's like a Far Cry, Borderlands type game, and it doesn't even really nail that because you know the those kind of games don't really perform as well as they used to. Uh, you know, and like in the 2010s, that was sort of the formula. You know, massive open world, uh, play how you want, but Redfall. Doesn't really do that well either, unfortunately. And, you know, I don't want to sit here and just bash the game. Because I do like Arcane. I'm a big Prey fan. I love Dishonored. Uh, Redfall just wasn't wasn't hitting the mark. Uh, you know, it's got a current score on Metacritic, the Xbox version. A 56 on Metacritic, 3.5 user score. Uh, with critics citing extremely poor performance, uninter- uninteresting mechanics. And it overall just felt rushed. And, like I said, play the game myself. That is very true. From the moment you boot it up, like, there aren't... There there aren't cutscenes. It's just still images with audio over it. And I'm like, what are we it, – it, it blows my mind. There's a lot of little issues. There's a lot of texture pop in. Uh, you can go watch the Digital Foundry video on YouTube. They did a great breakdown of it, of, like, the nitty-gritty technical issues. And it's like, how does a game like this come out in 2023? It blows my mind.
1: Well, and a lot of people want to rush to judge Microsoft on this for having a game come out that, that doesn't meet their standards. And like you had said in the previous segment, Microsoft has been largely hands-off on on this project and most of their their development studios. So I think the problem that you run into is Microsoft is involved from a finance standpoint and from a make-sure-it-gets-out-the-door-on-time on, the, on time standpoint. But from the creative side of things, I think Microsoft is largely hands-off on a lot of this stuff. And I think that's probably the problem is that if you're coming out with an exclusive on Microsoft's platform, Microsoft needs to be there. It needs to be part of that process to make sure that it meets their standards. And it makes me wonder, maybe it does meet their standards. Maybe Microsoft standards are just that low. Yeah. Because what this is is a reflection of so many other things that Microsoft has released that is subpar and right. is one of those kick it out the door, we'll patch it later type things. Wow. So... It very well might meet their standards is the problem.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 tough because when you own a studio and you have the ability to make sure that all the problems that modern day releases have don't happen, but you still do, right? Like we talk about Cyberpunk and how disastrous that was. That wasn't owned by anybody. That was CD Projekt Red. That was their game published on all platforms or released on all platforms and it had all those issues. You look at a Sony game, you look at Ragnarok, you look at Horizons uh, Forbidden West, you look at Spider-Man 2 whenever that comes out, or Spider-Man 1 even, there is a pedigree to a Sony game. When you boot it up, you know that it's probably going to be awesome, at the very least, or you know not have a lot of these problems that uh, a lot of modern-day games are facing. There aren't that many technical glitches. It runs well. It tells a good story. Um, and, you know, Sony's focusing on single-player games, while Microsoft does more on the multiplayer side of things. But there still has to be that pedigree when you are a when you are a big studio like or not a studio sorry a big publisher like Microsoft or a big uh, company like Sony. You've got to have a quality control level that sets the standard for your brand. I mean, it's just you know I don't know how else to describe it.
1: Well, and I'll be honest with you, I have been out of the Sony ecosystem for quite some time until you kind of dragged me back into it, kicking and screaming, (laughs) when I was finally able to get hands on a PS Five. And the gaming experience, first of all, the the user interface on the PS5s is completely different than than the Xbox. I found the PS5 to be much more refined, much more. Well, it was difficult. There was a learning curve mm-hmm. for me. Whereas the interface on a, on the Xbox is juvenile almost. It's 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 cluttered. It's, it's awful. It, it is. It's it's hard to navigate. But the gaming experience itself. You know, when I fired up the last two games that you you had me play, you know, the, the... Last of Us? Last of Us and... Ragnarok? Ragnarok. God of War. Yeah. When I fired those up, it wasn't a gaming experience. It was a movie experience from day one. From the time you turned it on, the menus, everything. It was an interactive movie. You felt like you were part of it the 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 cutscenes the dialogue everything the acting the story it was an interactive movie that you were part of maybe that's cuz it was focused for single player right i don't get that like i didn't get that when i played you know the sequel of red dead I, I didn't get that from red dead either mm. but the sony experience itself the attention to detail and the level of quality... Now, granted, I, S- Spider-Man had some some quality issues in it. I, no, you think so? Yeah, th- there's a few, few things in there that, that were an <laughs> issue. But for the most part, everything was cinematic in the experience that I got to play. And it made me really enjoy the experience. And when I play stuff on... Xbox, it's it's literally just to kill time. Mm-hmm. It's not to enjoy myself, to immerse myself or anything. So they're two very different types of gaming styles and platforms. Mm-hmm. And they're managed very differently. That quality comes across and it's just blatantly obvious in just starting the game up. Yep. You know, and, and that's where the biggest contrast, I think, is to me.
0: Yeah, and, and you know... Redfall comes out at the time when Microsoft has been sorely lacking in those first-party AAA titles, which is exactly what you talk about. Off the top of your head, you can name three or four Sony games that you've played that hit accord with you, yeah. and Microsoft just doesn't have that, and they haven't for a very long
1: time. Well, and I'll tell you, I'm a huge, huge Halo fan. Yep. Okay, not only have I loved every one of the games that came out, well. Like, I've played every one of the games that <laughs> came out. Halo Wars, Two. <laughs> I've read all the novels. I'm up to date. Yeah. I'm in the middle of reading the latest novel. We're now. both both huge halo fans. Um Love it, love it, love it. Halo Infinite just did not resonate with me. did not hit with me. It seemed it's ironic that the that the environment that you're in was so broken because it felt like the storyline and the character development and everything else was equally broken. Yep. Like, you you jump into this and you're completely disjointed. You have no idea what's going on. It was buggy. There was a number of, of glitches that, that crept up through the thing that prevented me from progressing until a patch came out. But it just didn't have that refined feel. And the fact that the terrain that you're on is literally a shattered world only reinforce, and to me it was almost like oh well they just didn't finish it then, this day, and then they decided to make a part of the storyline yeah the ring is unfinished that you're on right yeah and, like it literally felt like they just didn't feel like finishing the game and so much the game was missing when it came out i played through it i did all the side missions and i haven't gone back to it in months uh, probably a year at this point And there's no reason for me to. Right. Yeah. So Halo Infinite came out in 2021. Uh, Personally,
0: I really enjoyed the campaign at launch. Um, But, you know, Halo is always kind of a weird story to follow if you go play all the games. Like, the story is not always the forefront. It's always the gameplay. Um, And the gameplay in Infinite was good. But a lot of where the issues come in is with the multiplayer of Infinite. Um, It had little to no multiplayer support post-launch. And... You know, it took forever to get the the content updates going for that for that uh, service. It took forever for that to start rolling out, um, and it ended up leading the Microsoft cleaning house at three four three months after the release, uh, just because of how big of a failure it was. Um, I still play Halo multiplayer every once in a while. I don't know why. I just really it's still Halo at the end of the day, you know, and I still enjoy that. Um, but it was it had so much potential, and everybody at the time was saying Microsoft can't mess this up. And they kind of did, like the multiplayer at launch. Everybody was on board. It was it's such a, a such an exciting announcement when they announced that the multiplayer was going to be free. They announced it day and day at I forget where. Very exciting, very hype around that. But as time goes on, you know the campaign comes out and it's it's the semi open world. You know it's uh, it still feels good. It still feels like Halo. But then there's just nothing. There's just nothing after it, and it's almost like they they just like, this is Halo. This is, when you buy an Xbox, Master Chief is on the box. And it's like, how are we not dumping all of our resources into this? It it, it blows my mind. You know, you had the thing with co-op. Co-op didn't come out at launch. Um, Forge was delayed. All these pieces. And I think Infinite was delayed like a year. Yeah. Like a long time. And again, it still comes out at launch, and it's missing all these pieces. And it's like, guys, how did you not nail this? Like, it's Halo. Like, this is your one thing. Well,
1: and and the other problem that I had with this whole thing, one, you had two downloads, basically. Mm-hmm. Two, two applications that you ran, two games you ran. You could either run the multiplayer or you could run the campaign. It wasn't until months later that they were even integrated yeah. into each other. So it was a completely disjointed um, um, experience. But the other problem they had here, which I think really highlights the Game Pass problem that they're running into, is it was released on Game Pass. Yep, I was just going to mention that, yep. How do you expect to make money on a premier game if you're going to give it away for free on your subscription service? Yep. Like, even Disney Plus is smart enough not to put their movies on Disney Plus to come out in theaters. Now, granted, there's legal reasons for that, too. But, like... Make them wait a month, two months, three months. Like there was a point in time when you would get pre-orders, so that you could get exclusive content. You would get pre-orders so you could get um, the the higher end versions of the games. Sure. You get a foot on all that stuff nowadays, what's the point of a pre-order if you're going to release it at the same time on your subscription service? Pre-orders are also a way to project sales numbers, too. <laughs> they, they are, but right now, I think the thing with pre-orders is I'm willing to pre-order a game if I'm guaranteed that it's going to work on day one. Which like, it, that's really what I'm shooting for. If I pre-order for you, maybe you can pay the developers more to finish the yeah, game.
0: which it, it probably isn't going to work on day one. Uh, but yeah, you bring up the issue of Games Pass, and this ties back into Redfall as well. Um... Games Pass is still a good value, but it's worth noting that any game that comes out day one on Games Pass is already going to face t- uh, tough sales numbers. Games Pass tends to cannibalize sales numbers in exchange for that wider access. And I think that's what Microsoft was banking on with Halo is that, hey, it's on Games Pass. If you guys get Games Pass, you'll have Halo, our our flagship title. You'll have a day one on your new console. And, yeah, that might have worked in the short term. But in the long term, where are those? where's the money coming from, really? Yeah. Um, so going back to Redfall, in just two weeks since its launch, Redfall has had a drastic reduction in players. And this is coming from Steam, so take it with a grain of salt. I know it's it's tough to compare, but Steam numbers are probably pretty accurate still. Um, at its debut, Redfall was averaging around 6,000 players, and that figure has plummeted to around 200 players since May 16th. So that's like two to three weeks. You're losing, I don't know math, a lot of players. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's, it's overall, this has been a bad look for Microsoft. You know, we talked a lot about Halo, um, and that was another big one where it's just like, you know, Microsoft hypes up these, these first-party releases, and they're almost all always disappointments. Um, especially in a time when games like Ragnarok, like we talked about, Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom, are dominating critically and financially for Sony and Nintendo. You know, it's what is Microsoft doing to make themselves stand out in, you know, I don't like console wars. I think that's stupid, but it is competitive business still. It's not, you know, we're not We're not going to say Xbox is better than, and, than a PlayStation, but, like, these are businesses that are selling products, and some businesses are selling their products, better products, and they're selling them better.
1: <laughs> well, and I think the real funny thing here is, in doing my research ahead of time, I read one article, and they talked about from a hardware perspective the Xbox is better hardware yep. it's more powerful hardware but they can't get the software right so it doesn't matter how much horsepower you throw at the problem if the game doesn't run yes. it doesn't run really fast on a good good right. system right so why they need to focus less on the hardware right because you have a you have a console there that's overly powerful for the type of gaming that you need right now, which is great for future-proofing it. If you've got a future, if you can't keep your premier product, I mean, Halo is the Xbox franchise. Yep. If you can't do that right, what are you going to do right? You own it! Yeah. You made it! You know? And, like, people are longing for the bungee days now. Like, mm-hmm. 343 Studios was clever, and it was neat, and it had promise, and it hasn't delivered on that promise. And there,
0: you know, I mentioned that story about Microsoft laying off a bunch of people at 343. We don't like to see people get laid off. Obviously, that's bad. But also, why did it blew my mind that uh, 343 kept Halo? They didn't give it to another uh, publisher or developer. Like, after all this, we're still going with 343. Nobody liked Halo 4 or 5. Right. And it's like, we're still staying with 343. Like, ah, okay. I mean, I guess if they fired a lot of the people, and they'll bring new people in to give it a new voice or to, to make it better. I don't even know what's next for Halo. I have no idea what they're going to do. Do you think they do another mainline entry?
1: Do you think we get a... a I don't know. I, do you have any ideas? From a storyline standpoint, I don't think you can go much further down. I mean, granted, you've got the whole TV show now with Master Chief that's mm. a completely different album. Yeah. But I think from a storyline standpoint in Halo, you either have to... You had to reinvent the brand itself, or you had to move on to some other storyline. And mm-hmm. that's what everybody thought Infinite was going to
0: be. Yeah. It looked like it was going to be, we're in the age of the soft reboot sequel. That's what everybody thought Infinite was going to be. And in some ways it was, but we still kept the convoluted plot that everybody didn't like about Halo. Right. They should have just stripped it down to Halo 1, where it's very simple, very simple objectives, and they just didn't do that. And, you know, they had this, it was like they had the setting of Halo 1. A very basic ring, you know, but with none of the, with the still overly complicated space epic that nobody knows unless you read 10 novels.
1: (laughs) Well, and that's the problem even with the novels right now, not to get off topic too much, but even the novels now are still sticking to this whole, we're going to fire the rings. Get over it, guys. Yeah. That ship has sailed already, you know, pun intended. You need to come up with another galactic and and don't do the whole Cortana thing because that didn't work either. They're still doing that, I think. They are. It's still referenced in all the novels and everything. It's like the story. That's why I say the story itself. They don't even have anything in the in the wings, waiting that they can pull from the novels. That's really viable because even the novels are getting kind of long in the tooth. I think you got to blow the whole thing up. I agree. I think. I think if you're going to do it, don't just come out with a remastered edition of it. Reboot. It. Reboot the whole thing. I'm with you there. Yeah. So you know, as we wrap up this this, this second
0: segment. You know how can Microsoft reclaim the glory days of Halo? I put Gears of War in here, but I like Gears of War. I don't think Gears of War is anywhere near Halo in terms of mass market appeal. Um, what is what is next for Microsoft? How are they going to reclaim? You know the days of they're dominating the multiplayer shooter market. Do you have any ideas? We'll talk about it when we come back. All right, we'll be right back after this quick break. Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look campaign. into entertainment well, I and really media. I just Our husband happened. and I wife team of pop That's culture fanatics are exploring all things yeah. from music and movies to television just
1: look just look and fandom. Final, we'll look at the interesting yeah, like, and, and obscure entertainment news
0: of the week. We'll talk about theme park and pop yeah. culture news. And the multiplayer is still We'll fun. give you the latest and fun. greatest on pop culture conventions. Yeah, it's like after the... Yeah. Can you dump out of this? Yeah. Uh- Welcome back, everyone. We had to dump out of the commercial. I'm sure you were wondering what the next topic they cover on Insights into Entertainment is. You'll just have to go watch the show yourself. Welcome back and Insights into Tomorrow. This program, episode 19, we're talking Microsoft uh, and the state of Microsoft. Uh, As we teased in the end of the last segment, what is next for Microsoft? What are they going to do? We had the disastrous release of Redfall. Microsoft has one more trick up its sleeve. Xbox and Bethesda's Starfield, set to release on September 6th of this year, allegedly. Uh, Expectations are sky high for this title. Uh, From the same studio that made Fallout and Elder Scrolls, Starfield is set to be Bethesda's deep dive into the sci-fi genre. Uh, So I'll ask you the same thing I asked you about Redfall. Did you see anything about Starfield?
1: Do you know anything about it? I have. Actually, a lot of folks, because I still play Star Wars The Old Republic, a lot of folks in there are really looking forward to this. This is supposed to be like the second coming of, of I know you know Christ here, where it's going to be the savior to the entire game industry. And I'm like, have we ever heard this narrative before with yeah, another sci-fi game? Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> okay, guys, let's, let's wait and see. Give me, give it three months. Once it's released, and we'll see where we wind up.
0: Yeah, I pretty much feel the same way. I I've kind of fallen off the Bethesda hype train ever since Fallout Four. Uh, I was a big Elder Scrolls... I mean, who didn't love Skyrim? Skyrim is yeah. like, one of the best games ever still made. Quiet. Yeah, me too. Uh, Fallout 4 comes out, and it's not great. Fallout 76 comes out, and is even worse. Uh, it's like, okay. Now, the one thing I don't know... A lot of the reason those games are, feel old is because of the engine they're running on. Starfield might be on a new engine. I neglected to do the research on that. Uh, if it is, that's great. You know, unless it's buggy and bad. But, um... The game was recently rated 17-plus by the ESRB, with a potential ban coming in Australia for explicit drug use, but Australia bans, you know, if there's, like, cigarettes in your game, they'll get it banned in Australia. Um, but, yeah, this has been... This is the big thing for Microsoft. When this was announced as an exclusive acquisition, you know, you had, you had Todd Howard come out. It was a big deal, and this game's been hyped for years.
1: Do we have breaking news? <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I just looked it up real quick. Starfield is using... Creative Engine 2, which uh, was a modified version of Creative Engine, which is what Skyrim Fallout 4 and yeah. Fallout 76 is on. So,
0: modified is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence. Hopefully, it's heavily modified. <sighs> They've released gameplay footage of it, and it looks, you know... Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand the hype behind this game at all. I really don't even have any interest in it.
1: I mean, I, Honestly, I think everyone that I've talked to about it is looking forward to the immersion of it. It's the... The story, it's the it's the the size of the world that you're going to be in. I don't think anyone is looking at it for any kind of breakthrough technologically. Oh, it's no. It's just, hey, this is an escape for me, and it's going to be a big escape.
0: Everybody wants the Fallout 3, or Fallout New Vegas. Uh, that's my favorite. Uh, the Skyrim, where you can just walk and just get lost in this right. world. And, hey, I hope they can do that. But personally, I have pretty much no faith in Bethesda to pull that off. And it's like... Does Microsoft? Because clearly they do, right? If they, they decided to acquire the stu- when they acquired the studio, they make Starfield their their one of their tentpole games coming out, and their only tentpole game coming out in like the next year. Um, do you think that this
1: is where Microsoft should be putting their eggs in the basket? I think this is another example of Microsoft not really doing the due diligence on on acquisitions and projects. I think they were sold uh, a a. Good bill of of things here that they could use, but I don't think they ever dug deep enough. And, and again, it's one of those things like three years ago we saw a, a trailer for this and it looked really good. Okay, well that trailer was basically just a movie someone put together. Yeah. There was no gameplay in it whatsoever. There was no technology demonstration in it whatsoever. I almost think that's what that's what. Microsoft saw and decided that that's the direction they want to go. They got tricked, too. <laughs> and they got tricked, too. And and I, I'm sure this wouldn't be the first time it happened to them.
0: Yeah. Uh, the gameplay that was released, it doesn't look that special to me, personally. Uh, it looks a lot like No Man's Sky, if you ever played that game. Another notoriously poorly received game on launch. However, credit to, I forget the name of the studio, but they fixed that game. That game is playable, tons of new free content. They're updating it every couple months. No Man's Sky, check it out if you like, you know, space adventuring. However, I don't think that's what people want from a Bethesda game. I think they want that element of action and, and immersion like you talked about. And I just, I don't know if if is going to have that. I, I hope it does. I hope it does well. But I think it is a really, really big gamble for Microsoft. And I just don't know if it's going to pay off, even if it is successful. I don't know if it's going to repair all the ill will that's been done so far.
1: Well, and that's a very good point. I don't know if you, if Microsoft has a choice. Microsoft has dug a hole so deep for themselves that they can't get out themselves. So they're hoping for something like this to kind of propel them out of that hole and put them back into the mainstream to get them to the point of some level of respectability with gamers. I think a lot of people have just lost lost respect. Microsoft has lost that luster. And you're right, if this doesn't work, I don't know where
0: they're going from there. Yeah. I mean, they've got Elder Scrolls 6, but God knows when that's coming out. 2025, maybe 2024. Um, but, like, I think it goes back to this issue of accessibility, too. Not in terms of if you have a handicap or something like that, but, I mean, like, if you're trying to get somebody into gaming. Like, you, as an example, I was able to sell you on Ragnarok and Last of Us because they are relatively easy to pick up and play if you've played other games. Starfield, as like an immersive first-person space thing, I don't know if that is as easy to sell to people as a emotional story between a father and a daughter or a father and a son that, that Sony can offer. I, I mean, I know sci-fi has a, a pretty general broad appeal, and I, I don't know. I, I, I hope it does well. Um, but there have been some technical issues with it. We just talked about the Creative Engine 2 that it's going to be running on. Not great. Um, if you go play Fallout 4 or 76, you can see where they're really stretching. Like, the, you can tell it's old. Um, but this is the sticking point for me. <laughs> Starfield has been reported to be launching at 30 FPS. Um, with performance mode rumored to be coming later, very strong rumors that, like, it might not happen. They might not get that 60 FPS mode. Um, is this unacceptable in 2023, a AAA game releasing capped at 30 FPS? Some would say yes. I'm one of those people. I can't stand it. I can't stand 30 FPS. I think if you put out your game and it's not 60 FPS, I think that's unacceptable.
1: Well, and I think it also has a lot to do with the resolution that you're putting it out yeah. at. You know, you're talking 30 30 frames per second on a 4K TV. Yeah, you probably should be at 60. I, there's, the t- there's no reason the technology can't handle 60. That's for sure. All right. Um if you're talking standard HD and you're doing 30 frames, you're about 10 years behind where you need to be at and that point. it goes back to that hardware versus software issue. It's like you have the technology. Yeah.
0: The Xbox, Xbox Series X is like the equivalent of like a gaming PC, right? Like, yeah. how are we not – and I think, I think Bethesda might have commented on this of, of saying that like – It's an engine thing, and also the amount of things happening in the game at once. That's why they got to cap it at 30 FPS. And
1: and I'll tell you, from a technological standpoint, it probably is the engine because the options that are available to you on Xbox Series X, even S now, like the, the DirectX 12, okay? So you have direct memory access available in DirectX 12. So you don't have... So traditionally what happens is when you send video that has to be encoded and, and decoded by the video processor, that's compressed, it then has to be uncompressed in video memory, read in, processed, <coughs> rendered, and then written back out. DirectX 12 gives the video memory of the video processor direct access to system memory, so it bypasses all that infinitely more efficient and faster than you can do it. But your engine has to be able to take advantage of DirectX 12, mm. and if it can't, which a lot of them don't at this point in time, then you got a problem.
0: Yeah, it's like you you future-proofed everything, but you know at what cost? Um, you know what are you gonna do? I I I don't know. I, Bethesda games in general are known for being buggy and and running poorly at release. It would be amazing if Starfield came out day one, runs great, you know, smooth as, as smooth as thirty frames can be. <laughs> No buggy thing, because that was what sunk Fallout 4 and 76, was just the, the litany of internet videos of all the things wrong with it, and immediately you're dead in the water. It's just, I don't know, and, and it goes back to what is next for Microsoft if this doesn't work out. It's like, what do they have lined up? They've, they've had some good AA games come out, Hi-Fi Rush, great game, highly recommend it, but it's these big tentpole games that Microsoft is just lacking that I think overall is why they are... If to the to the traditional gamer why they are losing to Sony in these you know, in game to game if we're gonna compare it.
1: Yeah, well and I'll tell you if thirty frames per second is considered acceptable in this case, don't expect a lot of action. Yeah. Because you're not gonna see anything that requires high frame rate in there if
0: It's a first person per shooter.
1: <laughs> Good luck with that. I know, that's the like I don't get that.
0: Like that's why in Fallout you had the vault or what was it, the VAC system Whatever the thing where you could like stop time and like target different areas, it's because Fallout is not a good shooter. Right. That's why you had to have like auto aim essentially. It, Fallout is all about the characters and, and you know the the characters you meet and the world itself. It's not really supposed to be a shooter. Um, it just happens to have guns in it. <laughs> um, they kind of did that a little better in Fallout 4 by making it more action-y because it was more updated. But Starfield, it looks like they're really trying to do that. Uh, more of a shooter and make it a space epic where you can explore I forget, there was a a, uh, a line they had said a couple months ago where there's like a billion planets or something like that. Right. It's like no there's not. First off, that's not true. There's no way that's true. And it's like, uh, I don't know, this, this feels very cyberpunk to me. Of a game that's been hyped up for years that is gonna like if people are gonna go into it and never wanna come out that they're gonna have to be like drip fed like you know, like the feeding tube so they don't have to come out of the game. And it's like, I just, how are we still in 2023 making these these grand assumptions about
1: games when the only people that can pull that off is Sony? <laughs> That's true. And unfortunately, what you're going to find is, micro- this is going to be a judgment time for Microsoft. If, if they can't meet expectations and they don't have anything else in the pipeline, eh, you might start seeing those Game Pass subscriptions drop off. Yeah, especially if the price continues to raise. You know, or there's retro gaming. You know, everyone loves retro gaming, and that's I think the direction that Game Pass is going to go.
0: Well, they just they just announced the last of the backwards compatible stuff they're putting up. Yeah. So I've bought so many 360 games again on Xbox. I'm not proud of it, but I did because they're all right there and they're easy to play, and they'll, you they can get an FPS boost sometimes too, which is pretty nice. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that we're gonna get a Starfield direct, I think in June or maybe sooner. Uh, giving us more information on the game. So maybe we'll get something in that that is a little bit more uh, concrete that gets my hopes back up, or maybe we'll get a delay. Who knows?
1: Um, <laughs> well, if I had to put money on it, I'd say you're looking at three- to six-month delay till the next delay.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? That'd be bad because then they wouldn't only have Redfall this year, and that would be a real bad look. Uh, but anyway, we're going to take our last break, and when we come back, our final thoughts and a couple more words about Microsoft when we return.
1: And we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, we had to dump that last commercial. <laughs> we're having some technical difficulties here today. So what
0: are what are we talking about in our last segment? Well, I had something positive down, but you had another angle you might
1: want to go in. Uh, not, nothing overly negative, I don't think. I, I kind of wanted to talk about what what the future of cloud gaming looks like. I mean, you know, we we talked about kind of what the... We played around what, what the definition of it is. But what are your thoughts on things like uh, Google getting out of the market? Is that a sign that... I mean, Google has a, a reputation for testing the waters with things and kind of hooking people in and then backing out. Do you think that's a sign of where cloud gaming is going to go?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think cloud gaming is a hard sell because when it comes to gaming... You got to have a box, right? You got to have a box to plug in your TV. It's been that way since, since gaming was like a thing with like, you know, like the Nintendo entertainment system and stuff like that. So I think the biggest barrier for this, well, the second biggest barrier, I'll get to the first in a second, is that what do I, how does this work? You're telling me it's just a USB stick I put in my TV, which Microsoft is testing that, by the way. They have, they're working on that or like an app on your TV. Right. I think in practice, it's very cool. Um... But the biggest issue is the internet, is the infrastructure for it to, to be able to roll it out. I think we're, I just don't think we're there yet. And, you know, we're getting there. And I think in small scale it can work. Like the fact that I can play, like boot up a, an Xbox game, an indie game that's on Games Pass on my phone. I think that's great. But I think for it to become the norm, I think we're probably five to, if not more years away from that.
1: Well, and I agree. I think the technological limitation is sort of what we talked about earlier. You know, you, you. Because of the type of games that they're talking about here, latency is an issue. And like when you transmit something over fiber optic, you get pretty much, with the the exception of conversions on one end or the other, you get the speed of light. But we can transmit across copper, which most people tend to wind up doing. You know, all your big networks that you're connecting to are copper networks you're limited to about a third the speed of light with the resistance of the wire. You can't get over that. You you can't overcome this. If you're bouncing it off a satellite, you're limited by the physical distance that you have between you and that satellite and back to Earth. There's no way to overcome that unless you start doing quantum entanglement at some level. Microsoft can do it. (laughs) Um, So I I think the cloud gaming aspect is is dangerous to try to, to go in that direction. But I'm curious how mobile gaming will go mm-hmm. uh, because now we've got your Stream Deck out. Asus is now releasing yeah. a stronger version. PC-based version of a, a a gaming system. You have the Nintendo Switch that's a self-contained gaming system. All these things can hook up to a TV system. Yeah. Is that the interim until we can correct the shortcomings of the networking or for cloud gaming?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, the, the we're getting the Switch, too. People are thinking maybe 2024, 2025. Uh, the Steam Deck and the... What was the other one? Asus? Asus it, Ally? Yeah, like it's that. like the stronger version of a Steam Deck, basically. Um, those things are cool. I had a Steam Deck for about a week before I returned it. It's just not for me. I think it depends on the kind of gamer that you are. If you're somebody that wants to boot up and play a couple matches of Call of Duty, and then, you know, you call it a night... I think cloud gaming might be able to work if they can figure out the latency. Otherwise, you're going to have to have the 165 gigs that Warzone takes up in your console. Um, If you want to get that intense single player experience, cloud gaming could work for that because it's you know you don't have to worry about it as much. Sure, yeah. Um, And handheld, I think is good to if you travel a lot. You know, I really I think it depends on the consumer on base to base. But I just think overall, the box plug it into your TV. I think that's going to have the most you know, mass market appeal and accessibility based off internet. Um, I just think cloud gaming is going to be a hard sell everywhere around the country and the world uh, until we can figure out a better infrastructure for the internet.
1: See, and I and I long for the days of the LAN party when I used to pack oh, yeah. up my gaming system and take it to a friend's house or take it in the work and hook up to the network. And, you know, that was, we were playing, I think, Quake back then. Mm-hmm. That was That was paradise to me. You know, you took it with you wasn't quite as portable as they are now, no, no, no. Um, but you didn't have to worry about the latency issue.
0: Hey, but now Halo launches and doesn't have co-op at all, so it's <laughs> way better now. Uh, but yeah, I think that's pretty much going to wrap things up for today, unless you had anything else to add. No, nope, I think that's it. So maybe in another year or six months we'll come back with another update on this acquisition, because they're clearly going to drag it out as long as they can. Uh, I want to thank you all so much for listening. Uh, once again, I want to plug the show notes again. The show subscriptions, rather. Make sure you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, we will be there for you. If you have any comments on today's show, you can email us at comments at insightsintothings.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at insights underscore things. Twitch, where we are live right now. If you've got Amazon Prime, that means you have Twitch Prime. Make sure you give us that Twitch Prime sub, twitch.tv slash insights into things. On Facebook, facebook.com slash insights into things, at insights into things on Instagram. And of course, all these links can be found on our website, insightsintothings.com. Thank you all so much for listening. For Joe Whalen, for me, Sam Whalen. Have a great day, everybody.